0: Union of the Unwanted back May 1st, 2023. Ricky,
1: you're over there. Take it away. What's up? Yes, the Unwanted. Live streaming every other Monday on Rockfin exclusively. And then you can find the audio anywhere you can get audio podcasts. And uh, the video will eventually be also available for free. It's streamed as premium content but you can't get the whole archives on rockfin so please check it out and also on our odyssey channel and uh, another episode with tons of familiar faces and and dear friends of ours and we're i'm sure we're gonna have a another amazing discussion um something we thought about maybe starting off just to kind of get the show going is uh bbdc's which uh if you don't know what that is right did i say that right i always mess that up yeah. uh, central bank <laughs> digital currencies. And and maybe uh, you know brainstorm if you got has anybody done a deep dive, not to take uh, Monica's slogan, but uh, anybody done a deep dive on this topic or, or having skim the surface, Mike? S- make, well, skim-, really well
0: we- skim the surface. I mean, uh, here in the U.S., I know we have some uh, Canadian folks with us. Uh, we we just lost uh, another one. We lost a, a, a bank, uh, another San Francisco bank. Uh, and it was uh, this, this uh, I think it was the Republic Bank or uh, Republic One. Um, it was absorbed into Chase. This is like the second major San Francisco bank in like three months to kind of fall down and be absorbed. But this also presents an opportunity for the uh, central banking elite to introduce uh, a digital dollar as things become more and more chaotic in the financial markets. And as inflation kind of spirals out of control, uh, it seems like there's a a prime opportunity for a central bank digital currency that you don't own. You can't store on your USB drive like you can with Bitcoin or other cryptocurrencies. It will only be available through a bank and it'll live on your phone in the ether somewhere, the digital ether. And that's the only way you're going to be able to access it. You will not own it. You will Basically, just use it.
2: Yeah. How does Fed Now work into this?
0: Well, I believe Fed Now it allows the Federal Reserve to issue direct payments to participants, and that participant could be an individual, like a person, like me, or it could be a bank. Now, uh, how does the the digital currency factor into that? Well, I mean, how does currently digital dollars factor into it? I, I think that the Fed now is like step one. The digital currency version of it, it would be like step two. I think it's pretty critical for their like their like their digital infrastructure to get fed, fed now to have that direct access to your phone or app, whatever, and then they can roll in the the currency that they want to trade out.
3: It, it it's also an intermediary too, where when you go to buy something on Amazon and you use your new digital Fed coin, uh, you would it will go through Fed now and then to Amazon that way. So they would know everything that you were buying because they would be involved in the purchasing process, not to mention that c- central bank digital currencies will be fully programmable. You could set it however you want you could set it to have full transparency which of course they will they'll they'll want to know what you are buying they'll set it so that you can't buy certain things like firearms or red meat or bullets they'll set it to expire if they choose to if they got a bad negative you know an earnings report from last christmas and it was lower than expected they can they can set the uh, expiration date of a percentage of the coins in your wallet to expire in 90 days and force uh, artificial ramp up of the money velocity and 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 when Klaus Schwab says you'll own nothing, the reason why you'll own nothing is you'll have no ability to save. You can't save for anything. You want to own a car, you want to buy a camp.
4: Wasn't that what Bertrand Russell talked about at the beginning of the twentieth century? That you'd be issued an allowance for the week and it would expire at the end of the week.
3: And he was a one world government guy, right? So, yes, <laughs> so it wouldn't
5: but- With the Fed now, with the Fed now, you know how when you make a a transaction with your credit card or your debit card or whatever, it usually will go through. There's usually even if you even if you have insufficient funds, there's still the uh, the purchase will be approved. It'll be revoked later down the road. The Fed now thing does the confirmation in the middle of the transaction. So because it's a it's a like it helps process it and it becomes the digital contract from you to the person that you're sending funds to or from the point of origins for the funds to you. And that's what, quote unquote, legitimizes the transaction. So they put the state all the way in between you and where your money goes in a way that they've never really been able to do or will have you know done it in a way that they haven't been able to do thus far, and it does provide the at least the domestic framework here for the implementation of CBDC. Did recall that we're in, I think it's phase four now, of the Federal Reserve's pilot trial program for CBDC on the retail, like on the back end, not for the individual customer end, but and until there's an infrastructure to do the transactions on the back end of it the, with central bank digital currency, they're not going to roll it out. So this pilot program that we've been in for the last like six months out of the New York fed has been more how to set up the framework on the back end so that when we do start to do peer to peer transactions, we'll be able to have the, the state in the middle of those won't that be nice.
4: Don't you guys think that that, does the U.S. have enough infrastructure to pull this off and not uh, disenfranchise a huge percentage of the country? Because I've talked to, I have family in the banking industry and they said that there's no way you could reach everybody with this. I don't think they're trying
5: to uh, go ahead. I'm sorry.
4: Uh, I I, I was just going to share one anecdote. into europe and it's not a cbdc but sweden has fully electronic money and the only place you talk to the swedes and they say the only places that you can actually use this is in the major cities once you get outside of the major cities everybody uses cash so it's the most connected basically the most connected country in the world and they can't pull it off. So I I'm I'm curious. Go ahead and finish your thought though because that's interesting. You don't think that they want they care whether they Well, in all
5: everyone. of in all of the UN agenda, you know, 2120302050, all of that, there's anywhere from 3 to 15% of the population that's gamed out of their scenario. And it's already sort of baked into the equation. That there's gonna be X amount of people that are never going to participate in this grand new experiment moving to the future. So it, we're we're already cut out. Now what that looks <laughs> like going forward, I have no idea. But I know that in their own internal documents, when they're gaming all this stuff out, there's uh, a chunk of years as like I guess a grace period or something like that. A, a let's you know let's grease it up period rather I guess rather than a grace period uh, and see. How many different people they can get on board? Nobody wanted all digital banking 15 years ago either, and we're at a point to where almost all of our our banking transactions take take right. place digitally. Period.
3: Right. Well, right. they did roll it out a central bank digital currency in Nigeria, and yeah. it is half of one percent adoption. Nobody's using. Wow. It. And, every, and and two thirds of the of the countries using Bitcoin. Because they're they're done with currency hyperinflations and they don't trust the CBDC, which they shouldn't. So they're they're are they are they are already sort of outside of the system to the extent that they can be. Now I don't know how that works in some of the smaller areas outside of Lagos, but like Nigeria as a whole, which is a you know I mean over a hundred over 100 million people there, they're just not participating. They just don't. They're not. There's no interest. So now again, it's not the U.S. dollar. So maybe, you know, things can be made, to, you know, you can be made to get on board in a variety of ways. But but at least in, as far as just natural adoption that's not coming at the barrel of a gun in Nigeria, there's almost zero appetite for it, which is a good sign. So that means that there's hope for us. But uh,
4: What about these states that are talking about uh, banning CBDCs in their states?
0: Yeah, Florida has uh, kind of uh, pushed that. Uh, but I, how much power does that have over the federal government? So the the Fed <laughs> is actively going to the Congress, asking for Congress to pass something for them to have the central bank digital currency. So they might know that they need some sort of legal authority. Whether that's legal or not, um, they're, they're they're seeking some sort of approval from the Congress. And whether Florida itself and other states can really... Fight back they would I don't know that it would be a, an awesome legal fight to to hear
1: well it's something that uh Steve said which is really important is that it's baby steps in in a certain direction so like right now you can have a lot of people that resist, but just like I remember when I was younger, like my parents are like, Oh, you know, digital banking or banking online, nobody's ever gonna do that because they're gonna be afraid of somebody stealing their password or their money or whatever, and like little by little you just kind of give up a little bit of privacy and the new comes in and the old becomes history. And But, but you know what's
4: interesting about that, Ricky, is that everything you just said about people stealing their passwords, false transactions, that really did happen and they suppressed the information about it. So the early bitcoin people like Antonopoulos pointed out that at least 6 or 8 years ago 50% of Visa's budget was fraud remediation. So basically they knew the system didn't work, but they want the system. So they covered up the fact that it was fraudulent and they just paid back you know basically the the account holders paid back all the fraud for everybody. Uh, And I guess the dream was that there will be no fraud or they can be the ones who do all the fraud, (laughs) you know, whenever they implement their grand connected scheme. Uh, I just, uh, no, I'm not, I think they're going to force it through. I think it's going to fail miserably. And I think it's going to cause a lot of misery in the world. Is what I think is going to
1: happen. I I think that actually the opposite is going to happen. I, I actually think that little by little people are going to adapt it. They're going to make it really inconvenient to to maybe use alternative, uh, currencies, just like the vaccine, right? Like that. How how do you get people to jump on board? Make it so inconvenient to not get it that a lot of people just throw their hands up and say, okay, I'm just going to do it just so I can you know get rid of this inconvenience. And uh, well, I think that will happen. You and maybe right. I just you know I don't have a whole lot of faith in the average person in regards to like serious pushback. I think people do like their comfortable lives, and if it you know if it means things staying comfortable, then I don't think a lot of people want to push back and and whatnot and and I think a lot of times like drastic change seems difficult to implement for a little bit, but if you can implement it slowly, eventually people adapt to it and it it happened i mean look at cash for example car dealerships anybody who owns the cash business like it's a lot of time like back in the day it's like oh what's the what will you give me for a deal if i pay you cash now it's like we don't even want your cash like it's an inconvenience or whatever you know like or um there's nowhere to put it we can't hide it you know uh and then the irs will be coming after us so it's like they just make it an inconvenience so i just i don't know i kind of see a lot of people resisting at first and, and now, I mean, we ba- basically do have digital currency. I mean, most people, uh, their transactions are with a debit card or credit card and it's just money going from one computer or one system to another. And we don't really see the money. So, I mean, how different is that than? You know the future that Um, they're trying to build for us
6: that's not what they're talking about that's not what the central bank digital currency is the central bank digital currency will be attached to a social credit esg type score so what i'm not at first though right right but what i'm reading in the long-term plan if you look through the imf or in the uh, weforum.org or any of that the getting us all on the central bank digital currency is the first step to the world I D that all of those websites and UN are common agenda and all of them are even council of foreign relations are talking about. Kirsten Cinema just uh, announced that she would like everyone in America to be on a digital ID. I think that, uh, the central bank digital currency is the first step to then having ESG scores. We just had this environmental justice bill passed that has an environmental justice scoring system. We have the, uh, HRC has the, um, The uh, Corporate Equality Index, we have the ESG was implemented uh, two years ago, really before that. I think all of these are being done to test them on the corporate multinational corporation and bank level, really to eventually be to us. So to me, the programmable token side of the central bank digital currency is what I have a problem with because I don't use much cash, but I certainly don't want them... You know, looking at my social media or my shows and shutting down, taking my money.
1: Well, yeah. Well, that was my point because it's all baby steps in that direction. So it's like, it it just sold as like, oh, it's just more convenient. It's digital. And then next thing you know, the government controls all your money. And then that means that if you don't play by their rules, they can turn it off or, you know. So yeah, it's all kind of baby steps. And, And that's the thing. And I think that's why not as many people resist initially as, you know, it's like two weeks to shut, the, to, you know, to, to stop the, the, or to, um, flatten the curve, right? It's like, yeah, you know, most people will just say, Hey, what's the big deal? It's two weeks. And then. People like us who are constantly looking at the bigger picture, we're like, oh, no, no, no. there's not just going to be two weeks. And you're missing the greater point of like, it's going to be two weeks, then it's going to be three weeks, then two months and three months. and next thing you know, it's three years. And, you know, I think just the majority of people aren't looking at it from the bigger picture like we are. We're, they're not seeing the end game like we are. and And I think many people struggle to do that.
5: So let me, let me throw something out to the panel here real quick. And I think I, I can't remember if Mike was with us when we were talking about this on the morning show or not, but there's that push that the UN did where they sort of, uh, they came out with that document talking specifically about what amounts to vice laws and consent and all kinds of the, all kinds of crimes associated with, um, substance abuse and with sex trafficking, and all that. And what they effectively said is that we're going to be relooking at what this means. And we're going to, you know, redefine what effectively consent is or the age of consent is for a lot of places all across the board, a lot of other vice related crimes. So a little flag went up for me saying, you know, it's going to be really hard to have an illegal trade in an era of CBDCs. It's going to be pretty difficult to have a black market. So unless you were to in some way, shape or form legalize what has traditionally been aspects mm-hmm. of, of vice and have uh, traditionally been black market items, whether it's drugs or whether it's ass, everything in between. Uh, if you're going to rewrite the rules for it as the UN's doing right now, it would be a pretty good way to when you do implement your CBDCs, then not only do you track and control everybody's vice, you can direct people into particular vices in order to control them a little bit easier.
0: I was like wondering, how's the CIA going to get some of its money? If, if everything is to go on digital, therefore everything is tracked, uh, like uh, a full accounting should be easy to make. Uh, auditing uh, should be made easier, especially the Pentagon And when you have black budgets and you have weird black op stuff, everything the CIA has done, they don't want. They want to deal in cash. They deal in weird stuff. So why would they want to go on this kind of thing unless there are really probably three digital currencies, one for us, one, another one as the intermediate, the in-between between between ours and then the, the elites version of it. Uh, So they can make trades between it because they don't want their stuff tracked. I would imagine. They they can
7: turn that off. I did a, uh, the greatest gift a podcaster ever gave me was when Steve introduced me to Ian Davis and he, he just wrote two uh, articles on off guardian about CBDC. And I did a show with him, you know, I interviewed him about that and he was saying he addressed that actual issue. He said that, that you can decide on which way you want the digital currency to be. Do you want it to be like totally trackable or do you not? And my if I understood them correctly, you could do that simultaneously. So like the CIA could have one that doesn't um that turns that transparency, like turns the transparency off.
3: Wait till the CIA discovers Monero.
7: <laughs> so well What do you so, mean yeah, wait? It's different. Yeah. So There are a few other things that I got from him, but I did want to say something about, um, I have a friend, a really good friend in Sweden, who, since I've known her, has lived in Gothenburg, Uppsala, and Stockholm. And her her father wouldn't even use a credit card. And they switched completely to a cashless society, like overnight to the point where I sent her a check of money for her birthday, and she could not deposit a check. Like, I didn't even understand. So I just sent her a visa card, like a prepaid visa card instead. I don't know if she was able to use it or what, but... Like, and I know you were saying that out in the country or whatever, but, like, you know, Sweden isn't that big. That isn't going to be that many people if, like, Uppsala and Gothenburg uh, and stuff, you know.
4: No? Well, uh, there's quite a few people outside of uh, the large cities. Okay. All right. Because uh, she's can, just, she
7: was, like, she was stumped. She was, it, like, I can't do anything do with your make money. They
4: difficult. They absolutely yeah. do make it difficult. But I, I was at a, a ship port going to one of the remote islands and uh i was like look i just got uh, i just got here at three o'clock in the morning i don't have a debit card and they're like they talk to the people in the back of the office they say okay uh you can pay us in cash but you don't get any change
7: in what you kind of pay- cash
4: uh kroners euros oh
7: oh
4: yeah and kroners yeah so i'm surprised like, they okay. even
7: you know what they can do with that
4: yeah, well, they 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 have yeah. the ability to accept yeah. cash. It's just that they really didn't want you to.
7: Yeah, well, this is what I'm thinking: is that if you can't and like to the CIA the black money thing, if they can't accept cash, if you if that's uh, and you can't save it, like you have that idea of like you you won't be able to save it, you'll need. They're like decoupling the functions of money, the store of value from the medium of exchange. So this will be, let's say, uh, to the extent it expires or whatever, you have to have a store of value that's separate. And that, of course, could function as a medium of exchange. But that is making me wonder about laws against owning gold. How, like, people are being moved away from having their own houses, their own real estate. And, and, like, that is a thing that would be a real store of value that you could have. Mm-hmm. And it reminds me of something that Ian Davis was saying about how, uh, like, it's a, it's part of this whole scheme is this asset tokenization. So like if you have a $500,000 piece of property, you can make that like a divisible token, which A, you know, will be proof of ownership, but also allows for like fractional ownership. But once you have fractional ownership of like a home, how much control do you really have over that? Like it kind of, you know, if they really go that way, you know, what I want is a discrete store of value. Like I'd feel a lot better about this if I knew I could stockpile gold and it wouldn't be illegal to use it. That's the thing that worries me the most.
6: Well, I want to tell you something like, I'm glad you said that, Monica. Do you know that this week, the 23rd state in the union is putting in legislation to make um, gold and silver uh, usable as currency? So that has to be some that has to be connected to this somehow, because they've been doing it like at the dark of night. So like you, you and you got red states and blue states doing it to have this be used as legal tender. Like th- this can't be a coincidence. I
8: have a question in In the world of the cbdcs and global uh, and digital currencies, realistically, how is gold going to be used if everything is controlled by the government and you sit on a stockpile of gold? How can that be exchanged i 'm just curious so I, I was just cool.
7: thinking like and I actually think of silver as an easier thing but like if if you grow pot and you don 't want to go through the system. And it's going to like deteriorate in value, you have to get rid of it. You know, people are going to use it in real time. Like if someone gives you gold, you can just just as like a, a like a medium of exchange, like barter, you know, you would just have it. I don't think I'm not saying that I think you could go to a bank or like maybe buy a house with it but at least if you could store if if there was a way to I'm more concerned about being able to buy gold with the CBDC like once the CBDC happens and they look at every single transaction that that coin ever used then they can say this coin once bought gold and you're you know it's not worth anything or you can't exchange it that way like i or yeah i mean or they can arrest you if you if you have it or if it's not, like, doesn't have a certain serial number, a certain marking, you're never going to be able to use it again. It's, like, reverse tainted. Like, that's what I, I worry about. I'm, I'm, I'm thinking about us, of people, like, being off the grid, of people, like, just can't live in that society. Yeah, what happens what to what the Amish? To
0: the Amish are screwed at this point. If they implement this, like, Amish are, 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 are what, what is their means of exchange? Uh, yeah. Currently, they, they take physical dollars and coins they don't take credit cards i deal with them every week and so if they move everything to digital they're basically saying screw the amish screw oh, and
4: why do you I, think that they've got that major thing with the fda and that amish farmer right now well they're trying to cripple their ability to exchange goods
0: well i think the amish should uh levy a lawsuit against this uh, this digital coin action and say this is a violation of their life liberty and pursuit of happiness and religious freedoms and it actually yeah. might win.
5: They have the opportunity to do that. They have the opportunity. They're, look, nobody's saying to anywhere that you can't create your own currency. We do that all the time. We, we're, we're, there's altcoins all over the place that pop up. Some of them even become like real money, you know. Oh, my so goodness.
4: It's, I, I mean, here, here mm-hmm. I know wealthy families that they trade dogs. So they buy expensive dogs. They have puppies. And that's a currency. <laughs> I
5: I knew a guy I worked with him and for him for a number of years, and he had grown up up in Montreal. His father was uh, the Hells Angels. They ran weed, all that kind of stuff. And when he was coming up, he would take cannabis from Montreal down into the uh, upper U.S., and they would convert it into watches in downtown New York. So him and his buddies would roll across the border with about seven or eight high-end watches. They would be worth more when they got into Canada than they were in the U.S. They would then either convert the watches back into cash or use the watches themselves as the currency for the cannabis. And that's how they did that for years and years and years. Just rolling through with a long sleeve shirt, waving at the Border Patrol with, you know, I know someone who did that too.
6: That is totally true. I know people that bought Rolexes to travel with them, to use them there to tra- to trade. I mean that, that's a real that black market for uh, high-end watches is is happening. I mean all this stuff is going to happen at some point, but you got to figure it out. And also, we know somebody sold their house for, you know, way more than they should have in Florida and then transferred all the money into gold. And it's now in a depository and sitting in a bank somewhere and going to be delivered to them. So I don't know. People are trying to find a way.
7: I think art and wine, I was thinking about this, would be like the eternal store of value because the elites really like that in their inherent in the inherent value that it imparts. And I got this from I don't know what it was. I was in New York City recently and I haven't been there in so long. I'm like from there, used to live there, but it's I could never afford to live there now and they love the arts still like they'll have like you know culture lives there. culture lives in this elite circle of like liberals and stuff but they'll have opera and symphony they still like the true like pinnacle of human achievement and i don't think they're letting that go so i feel like if you tell you something
5: handmade instruments in 80 years are going to be worth so much more money, especially if they're like made out of true original tone woods and things like that. That's going to be a story about it already is you'll find a pre war Martin guitar and it's, you know, an ungodly amount of money. I just but- bought a
7: 100 year old house, which is definitely like not it, it's not the standard that I am used to living in like a prefab, whatever. But uh, my feeling was then the realtor was like, Oh my gosh, like these walls are made of plaster, like they don't chip, like they're good. And there are little things like that. And I never really thought of that. It was just like, Oh, out here, things that are old are better than things that are new. And I just, that was freaky to me. So I mean, trust me, I'm sure it's gonna be a massive money pit. But I feel like now I'm looking a little more closely. I'm like, wow, look at that wood and look at that tile. You know, it's like there's tile on the ceiling. It's like a Spanish thing. I'm like, who would, wow. who would ever who could ever pay to put tile? I'm looking at the bill for tile. I'm like, I am like, have this much tile. It's like those, it's are, those are the Spanish,
2: the Spanish, yes, uh, Spanish... Mediterranean in, in LA, right? Yeah. And my husband they... was
7: just like, you they wanna, you better. wanna buy that house? And I'm like, well, you know, they say old is better, but I'm just saying now I'm appreciating that you're just never seeing that craftsmanship again, even just like the wood floors and stuff like it's worth, like I, I say it's like worth it. It's like a museum or it's something of value, something of inherent value. Or as I said to the <laughs> realtor, it's like, I really want something old. I want it to be like a time machine because I hate the world and I just want to pretend that I lived a hundred years ago. <laughs> and it's it just, there's something nicer about it and now uh, but inherently Home Depot. valuable.
2: Now yeah. everything's Home Depot, shit. I can't even find the stuff to fix it. I went to like three
7: lumber yards just to find like the big piece of wood. But I'm just saying like, you're right. See like this, I, this uh, things of old craftsmanship are, you know, truly, they're going to be rarer and rarer because it is hard to maintain. It has true value.
9: I'd love to know what, I'd love to know what Matt thinks about Canada. Matt Eretz up there. Nice to see you. Um, um, because been the a controversy, mess. I think we're a little farther ahead of you guys down there with the, with the uh, you know, no cash society. I mean, things are pretty much all debit up here for the most part. And there's a controversy with, I think one of our banks was shutting down the actual physical bank and they're just having like a, a machine. So no more tellers in some of these spots. So I think that caused a bit of an uproar, but we also have a massive compliance rate for certain things. So what do you well, think, I'll, Matt?
1: Oh, go ahead, Matt. Yeah. Yeah, sure. I mean,
10: you know, Canada has always been a bit of a basket case from the get-go and the, the difference between the United States and Canada is that the idea of too big to fail, like systemically important, too big to fail banks that have been categorized in recent years in the United States um, are kind of a newer phenomenon that emerged out of the age of mergers and acquisitions of the deregulated 1970s and especially the 1980s and especially got even worse, you know, every single <laughs> step of the way, especially the glass deal being taken down, you had universal banking. But in the US, you still have something like 1800 local banks that still exist you have a culture of 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 local banking and state banking and in canada ever since we were founded so-called as a, as a as a british monarchy of the uh, of the north we always had like too big to fail banks like a big five six bank uh behemoth coterie that had a revolving door into government back into the banking system from the get-go so we never had local banks we have some credit unions you know, there, there's little things that have emerged in the 20th century, but it's, it's really anomalous. Um, so <clears throat> the control, the centralized control has always been there for us. And it's always been tied to sociopathic technocrats in London who have been utilizing things like the Privy Council. You know, we have this whole weird, as an American living in a republic, it's hard for you guys to imagine the way that the system is wired in Canada around a Privy Council office with governor generals as the head of state and, and lieutenant governors that are, part, that are all members of the, the, the Order of the Knights of St. John of Jerusalem, all embedded and enmeshed, you know, <laughs> generation to generation maintaining a system of Malthusian controls to keep the population as compliant as possible. And sometimes you get little surprises and outbursts of freedom occasionally, which is nice. And, you know, you'll, you'll get weird responses where people would think that they were in a democracy and all of a sudden their bank accounts are frozen. Yeah, uh, you know, just because they donated forty bucks to uh, Freedom Convoy, and no, I mean th- there's been a lot uh, that's been preparing the groundwork for the oncoming collapse. Because I mean, from my standpoint, and then I'll shut up because I am. Uh, but <clears throat> the, the the thing that's sort of hovering overhead is the fact that the whole system is wired to collapse, and those who have actually set the time bomb have been preparing the groundwork for that collapse. Not that they understand exactly what the real the real world implication is going to be. They're really good at planning, right? For decades, but when it comes to action, it it gets things tend to blow up even in their faces. But there are there is legislation online to bring in uh, central bank digital currencies that have been around since 2021 at least that I've seen and in, meshed in the banking codes of Canada, the Banking Acts. It's part of the the bail-in regimes that they've all already set up the moment Trudeau got into power as pre, as Prime Minister. Sort of like the same thing that the the bail-in regimes are, are I think tied to that as well as part of the next phase of the trigger the trigger of the meltdown of the banking system. So they, they want to try to just impose order out of chaos, kind of like they did in the, the 20s under Weimar Germany, when they blew, they consciously blew out the German economy by f- by forcing the the Weimar government to just print money infinitely, which foreseeably just created hyperinflation, which foreseeably was intru- a solution was introduced in the form of bringing your water your wheelbarrows full of useless money, your your Reichsmarks, and my grandma has these trillion dollar Reichsmarks that couldn't buy bread. And you could br- bring them in and trade that wheelbarrow for like this new rented mark that hjalmar shocked from the bank you know trained by montague norman of the bank in of england was was happy to give you but the new rented marks now operated with a new set of rules that you had to abide by and normally people of germany would not have gone along with that except that they were so sh- you know shock therapied that they were so desperate to put some food on the table that they went along with anything so that's part of my trepidation i i mean there's there's i've we've never experienced a systemic breakdown of this magnitude that i i i find it difficult to even imagine what the uh <laughs> the steps are going to be exactly you can sort of see the elements but not exactly what what the effect is going to be so,
2: so that's what i want to uh, yeah, ask afraid of that too so i want to oh. ask what what the panel thinks are the next steps given that several um banks have failed i also just want to preface that there was because I'm a nerd that way. Listen to the hearing on accountability and transparency at the IRS with the Commissioner Werfel. It was like a four-hour where they were contemplating what they're going to do with all these armed IRS agents, amongst other things. And and before you answer, also what Charlie said, I think it, I'm pretty sure it was in in Australia somewhere where already you're not allowed to keep your savings. Do you know, Charlie?
3: No, I'm not, I'm not sure about that in particular.
11: But, so my qu- um,
2: question is, what do you guys think are, how is this going to play out now?
11: Well, I was going to interject something here too. Like uh, I'm definitely curious about your guys' thoughts on that. Uh, but there's, I was at a um, an event a few, couple weekends ago with uh, Catherine Austin Fitz was the main speaker. And we all know her work around, you know, cash only and doing a lot of work, particularly here in Tennessee. And one of the things that she had mentioned that I hadn't even heard of was, uh, I guess they're really working behind the scenes to introduce a s- state sovereign bank here in Tennessee. That uh is that was a new concept to me. I put a link in the chat earlier, but basically if anybody just goes and searches sovereign bank, Tennessee, Solari, Solari report, Solari.com, that's her website. Um, kind of breaks it down. They have like an executive proposal. Um, I don't know how far they've made it in, or an executive summary. I don't know how far they've made it as far as any sort of legislature goes, but really the whole bill talks about the idea. And I guess it's based on the uh, bank of North Dakota, which is an old bank that acts as like a central bank for the state itself. That kind of is like an intermediary between like the actual federal reserve and uh, smaller banks within the state. So it kind of gives you like a lot of like financial power, I guess, within the state. I'm not really familiar. Like, you know, I need to read up on it a little bit more, but it feels like, like the way she was describing it and talking about it, it sounds like a really great solution. And, also, within this report, it talks a lot about how it is kind of a uh, like just a, a stronghold against CBDCs. Like this is a great way to head off and intercede any form of like CBDC that could be rolling out at a federal level. So if this could get momentum or if there was some sort of like way to adopt these at a state level, you know, I feel like that would be an awesome solution to head this off. But uh, yeah, as far as what's coming next, man, well, geez. Is she working
1: with uh,
10: with Ellen Brown?
11: I'm not sure exactly who exactly she's worked with. She was, there was a state Senator from Tennessee that was there. Grassley, I believe his name is. And uh, I met him. He was, seemed pretty legit. He's like this old farmer guy. And uh the, he was the one that um, helped push through the, 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 oh, what was, it? I think it was the, the, the bill that made it illegal to require uh, COVID injections for any sort of employment, like, like, you know, healthcare employment and stuff like that. So, Anyway, so, I mean, they're, they're, they're doing good work here in Tennessee. I've got to say. We're every, it's like I'm from Oregon, and it was like every day you wake up and you read what the Oregon government's doing. I'm just like, oh, my God. It was this most demoralizing thing every single day. And out here, it's like almost every day I read about the news of what's going on in Tennessee. I'm like, yeah, awesome. It's like it's awesome. It's a complete reversal. Of yeah, the and it's because it happens two. at the grassroots level. Yeah, and that's yeah, yeah.
4: It, and right now, that's the, well, listen to what Kathy says. Kathy says that the most important thing is to act at your local level.
11: Yeah, a hundred percent. And you know, I really feel it here. Like Tennessee's crushing. It's crazy.
4: <laughs> Miriam,
11: I can see a,
3: a scenario, and there'll be multiple scenarios. You asked how that how this thing rolls out. I could see them a continuation of these small to medium sized bank failures in order to create instability in the small and medium sized bank industry. Lack of confidence in them mm-hmm. so that depositors move to the bigger banks where they feel safer. And I know Catherine Austin <laughs> Fitz has mentioned this too, sort of almost like a stampede, but get people into those bigger banks. Once they're in the bigger banks, they will be easier to control, more centralized, obviously. But those banks are going to go along with the the plan. They're all interconnected. So, of course, they'll do whatever the Fed tells them to do. They're owned, They're all owned by the same people. You know what I mean? So they're all on the same team. If you but the small and regional banks, man, those those create problems. But if you can if you can give the impression to the general public that those are unsafe places to keep your money. I mean fuck, mm. Deutsche Bank is an unsafe, unsafe place to keep your money. But but CSFB. But it but the perception might actually wind up becoming reality where they are too big to fail, banks like Deutsche Bank that are just, you know, teetering. But they're also too big to fail. So the rules get thrown out the window. And you may see those banks actually surviving simply because it's such a criminal conspiracy to keep them afloat. So Whoa. then you get enough people in there, you, you just lock the doors and you, and, you, and you offer the carrot first, right? You say, well, we'll give you two Fed coins for every one U.S. dollar. We'll do that for six months. Great deal. Then it's one yeah. one to one. Then it's seventy five cents for one, and then, uh, then you are like, uh oh, you know. And so there is a there is a there is a whole lot of way. I don't think there is just one way that they're going to do it. I think the same way they did with COVID. Just increasingly make it more difficult. First, incentivize you with Talladega laps and free donuts, and then start making it difficult on you anyway. <laughs> Every way that they can, you can't get your paycheck this way. You can't get the, you know what you can't, whatever it is, and is, and just start to fucking grind, start tightening the screws on everybody. That's how it, they would do it. I would think. Is it
2: true that from what I've read, Fed now replaces Zelle, replaces Cash App, replaces um, these other these other forms? Have Have you read the same thing?
3: Yeah, I read the same thing. Yeah. I
2: and mean, it's supposed yeah, to be rolled out this program. summer.
6: Go ahead. It's already up Fed now. I
9: think July
0: is the the
5: official wide rollout.
6: Yeah. But also. Right
5: when the founder of Cash App got marked. Yeah. Well,
3: you know, that
6: already started a pilot program. Somebody sent me an email that was sent an email that if they uh, signed up for the CBDC pilot program, I believe through Wells Fargo, that they would get $100. And the person's like, great.
3: And it might might be that you get better interest rates on a mortgage. It might just be like it's just like the social credit systems in China, where it's like the higher your score, you get a discount if you want to rent that bike. You get 15% off because your score is high enough, you know? So, so there's plenty of ways to incentivize to put you can push them in or you can kind of pull them in. You can just open the doors and let them stampede in. Bring right your wheelbarrow full of enough.
9: cash and just trade it in.
3: Yeah, I but there's always say- going to be an appetite outside of the system because. I- because like 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 Steve was talking about, like with the vices and things like that, like you just there's just gonna be a, a black market for shit. And people are gonna find a way, whether they're trading bullets or chickens or whatever, they're gonna they're gonna oh, find a way to transact with one another without the government being involved in their business.
11: Like Ian were- was
7: also yeah. saying that they're it's going to be interoperable. So all of the it's really not only a stepping stone to a cashless society, which I guess, you know, a lot of things have been, but also to a global currency that doesn't appear to be a global currency because each one will be branded. And similarly with the banks, they'll probably keep their brand, but they'll all be owned by one. And at and he was also saying it's the end of fractional reserve banking that you don't give the you don't actually give it doesn't work where you just like distribute treasuries or whatever buy treasuries or whatever you um and then the banks loan money and create that the fed is going to create the money independently and then they have to make some kind of deal with those banks um you know co-op those banks but you're right i mean it's not going to be every little bank it's going to be just a few big banks but they're going to look like this a bunch of little banks
8: Yeah. I can foresee the system leaving us no other choice but to go into a global type CBC. I've seen this for a long time. You know, I've thought about how's the new world order going to get everybody to comply? Because right now, people are going to say, screw you. But if they're starving and all they have to do is go to the local grocery store, get the quick plant implant of the chip into them, sign up for the CBC. They can go in and they can fill up the refrigerator. And sadly, I hope it doesn't come to pass to that. But I can kind of see a method like that along with, you know, they've been talking about for a long time. I remember reading this years ago where the exchange of currency into whatever new currency they have is going to be, I believe it's going to say, on a ratio. So today you get a one for one next month. Well, it'll be 90 to one. And it'll just keep going down until your money becomes useless.
2: Well, here in Costa Rica now they don't want to take dollars. Usually you can pay with dólares. Now it's only colones because the the dollar is uh, quickly taking a, a dive to to shit. And also, since we are talking about banks, just I've been bank locked out of my Wells Fargo account. For we're going on two weeks now. So if you think like, oh, a single woman in a in Central America that can't get f- for shit get anybody on the phone to help me, literally have to go back to the United States to authenticate myself, and I've also been debanked from Chase, which is other little you know incremental steps towards controlling, you know, who gets to bank, who gets to have monies.
8: Is this just because a you're in Costa Rica yeah. and? They're restricting transactions. Yeah.
2: No, no I, I, I had someone embezzle $30,000 from a government loan that I hired, and I wanted to do a chargeback. And instead of classifying it as services not rendered, they, were cl- they classified them as fraud. And so I have absolutely no online access. Sorry, that's sad. Sorry.
6: In New York City, there's already a bunch of places that will not take anything but a card like there, there's no cash accepted. There's no they'd say even at my local supermarket, you won't get change. So I mean, it's all if it's happening in New York City, in local places that you wouldn't realize until you walk in there. And you think like, why would they? Why would this small place but then you realize it's not a small place. It just has a small place name. But uh, New York right now you can't get a change if you use cash in a lot of places.
2: It did the same thing in SF during the first year of the Rona. And that that they, they didn't allow it. And then there's an actual law that forbids uh, homeless people are, are allowed to use cash. So, yeah, that also happened in SF.
7: One thing I was thinking that, and to Matt's point about like how there were barrels full of money in Germany. And I'm thinking like every time there's a new dollar or new currency rolled out, it's because the other currency collapsed, usually because of out of control debt. And I've been thinking for the longest time, like $30 trillion of national debt is like not, you cannot, that's not going to be resolved inside this paradigm. So it, it, there's a chance that. That will be if, you know, if the, if a perceived or actual banking collapse dynam- domino effect doesn't create the crisis, maybe one of these years when they have like the debt crisis on it, maybe they'll have a, you know, maybe the national debt will just. You know, if, if interest they're really by raising interest rates when you have thirty trillion dollars, like I don't know what how what the average duration is of that debt right now. But I mean, any of these things could just snap into a crisis situation, and then you get new dollar or you know whatever digi dollar, and it and they right they they even said on the IMF like in the beginning it's one to one, and then it just it has a negative interest rate, cash is just negative or a positive exchange rate or whatever progressive exchange
6: rate.
0: So I was just reading through here, like MasterCard and uh, FedNow, are, they're, they're tied at the hip. And it says uh, MasterCard is in a good position to roll out FedNow. And uh, to, so it should be an easy switchover for people. And they won't notice. But then MasterCard also noted that uh, they're implementing, along with it, generative AI. And that MasterCard could no longer ignore the impact of AI. And they're focusing on generative AI for some reason. Uh, it was in the same article. And generative AI, for anybody who doesn't know, this is AI that creates text, images, audio clips, and in video. So for some reason, uh MasterCard's getting involved with that too.
7: <laughs> I think MasterCard's a big World Economic Forum partner. And in this Ian Davis, some of these articles that he wrote, he did mention that because banks, and I'm like counting that as a bank, basically. Or how it would work is that because they're going to be shut out of the fractional reserve thing, they're going to be basically public-private partners with the CBDC because they are the kind of like the face of it, and they're just going to kind of integrate with it, basically. So So what
0: what it says right here, MasterCard already uses AI in incorporating generative generative AI, uh, noting it does so already to create data sets used to compare and find threats in cybersecurity. So there you go. They're looking. They for-
3: also have a credit card that measures your carbon output. They're the first. They're in a pilot program with the World Economic Forum doing that. So Mastercard is deeply involved in this bullshit.
5: Not uh, not necessarily related to Mastercard, but in kind of a way related to the generative AI. Uh, Vice just announced that they're filing for bankruptcy. Oh what a shame. They're gonna be rolling up. That's sad. Uh this is after BuzzFeed, of course, did the same thing, laid off a whole bunch of their stuff. Did a number of other middling uh you know news outlets that are going the same route. We talked on the show a month or two ago about how uh with Ryan about how by twenty twenty five they were saying. Uh, 80 to 90 percent, approaching 90 percent of all online content is going to be AI generated in terms of articles you read, in terms of the news reports that <laughs> they put out. It's all going to be, uh, you know, what do you call it? Um, even less, even less real than it currently yeah. is for the vast majority of these reports.
8: It's They're been written on NPCs for a while.
4: Yeah, that's what, I, that's what I was going to say, Charlie. I think that we've already reached 80% of uh, artificially generated content on the internet. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Well, that's a fair, I mean, what hap- how, how
5: organic or genuine is the content in the first place of all mm-hmm. the vast majority of these outlets are doing is taking an AP or a Reuters news blurb. I- and then generating 500 to 750 words on that and then moving to the next, oh, I need a pull quote from, you know, generic general A through B or A through Z or whatever. I need a pull quote from, you know, CEO A through D, okay? And it's always just, you know, a, a, a loop of bullshit that in and of itself is inauthentic to begin with.
2: Yeah, that's exactly how it works. Having worked at MSNBC, having access to the wires, and then you really have to go above and beyond, which I always did to get an original quote, but you have your parameters. And if you learn, let's say like with George Floyd, April Moss was Project Veritas whistleblower, like day two or three, we're going to stand behind BLM and her saying, but we haven't even done an investigation. So they're doled out and now you're going to have arguably this AI. I've already spotted AI articles where they repeat over and over. And then I was actually looking, maybe I can get a job humanizing the AI because I can take shit copy and make it sound really good. Maybe that's the future for me. But people like me who are truly independent, It's, um, I mean, there's no, there's really no future because nobody wants to hire me, even though I'm a fucking excellent journalist. So,
1: I'm asking for a friend, but with digital currency, how would you pay for a lap dance? Mm. Right?
7: I think you'll be able to. I think it'll be just like you can zap people because today I wanted to tip somebody and I didn't have cash and I was like, oh, as soon as there's going to be no cash. And I, I think what they said you would do is just, you know, like, airdrop it into
5: into mm-hmm. her.
10: Well, the, these are lap dances in the metaverse, right? <laughs> <laughs> I mean, oh, yeah,
5: your,
7: your, your that's your right. Lap dances, yeah. of
5: course. How do you get a lap dance from a stripper that has no legs? <laughs> I'm seeing the metaverse. I've seen this. I'm not buying it.
3: <laughs> yeah, they took all the legs off the people in the metaverse, didn't they? Because everyone was getting, like, touchy. Really? What? Yeah, yeah they, I think they
2: created personal space. They created like, like a, a little, um, like a field a of like you can get there. were There was sexual harassment in the AI, AI yeah. starting a already.
7: Bubble.
3: I love it. It's just perfect. It's not, perfect. Not, it's the perfect encapsulation of this world that there's sexual harassment in the metaverse immediately.
8: <laughs> and next, it'll, it'll be rape fucking broken, prison. it'll be rape and prison sentences
1: in the metaverse. Not not to change gears, but uh I I'd love to get some of your guys' opinion on uh Robert Kennedy Jr. running for president and you know, just I basically just in general what you guys think about it. I mean I know many of us Have I mean, I've been in contact with him throughout the years. And, and you know, obviously, he's been on many shows in the alternative media community because he's been so outspoken in regards to uh, vaccines and big pharma. And he's been censored. And, you know, it's kind of uh, wild to think that he was one of those names that were, you know, on a blacklist of of people to censor. And now he's being kind of interviewed everywhere, even though they are still censoring him uh, a bit. But what's everybody's opinion? I mean, is there any good that could come out of this or are some of you guys skeptical or, you know, what's... Um- well, of
4: course, we're skeptical. <laughs> well, yeah, of course. Uh, right? I mean, uh, I, I could say two things. One is, it's time for another Kennedy monument. Okay. <laughs> uh, and the, then the other thing is, well, I mean, Kennedy does represent a certain faction of the establishment too. So, I, I just have no confidence we might get something that we like, but I think it's going to still head down the road. It's headed down.
10: Yeah, I I just uh, shared a little interview that I did with this uh, talented uh, analyst named Fox Green who runs the Space Commune, um, anti-Malthusian geopolitical analyst, and he wrote a little thing um, on RFK Jr.'s uh, energy policy, which is, a little bit too in harmony with some of the core ideals being set forth by the great reset green new deal agenda that wants to decarbonize the world in tandem with this whole fear porn thing over the pandemic which i find is a compelling worthwhile thing to hold in mind because you know that like i think that personally bobby kennedy jr is an authentic human being who i i think that's better than a lot of the, the technocratic zombies who are just wired to do one thing, which is like act according to their programming. Like, you know, the, you could, you could sort of smell them, right. The Obama, the Justin Trudeau type, Christia Freeland type, um, unidirectional, like, like zombies. Um, I, I, I think that, that Kennedy is 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 a human, but he's really almost religiously devoted to his decarbonization uh, fantasy, which if you do that, like if you do those things that he wants for um, a reformed energy policy for the world, I, I think it, it's going to be a genocidal, like the, the, the necessary genocidal, means yeah. of sustaining energy and, you know, the means of production mm-hmm. to sustain the human population, at least at its current living standards. But ideally, you'd want better. But that's all going to be contracted. Um so, I think that he can learn, but he needs people around him who are able to i think uh kick his ass in a loving way a little bit and educate him so i'm i 'm sort of taking that angle because I do think he does represent the potential reawakening of something authentic in american you know th- th- there's something about j f k uh r f k that represented something worthy that has been forgotten, which could feasibly be revived um just like I see in Trump's base, something that is viable and moral, um, in, in America that, that has to be organized in a more coherent way because they're very confused people. But if there's anything that's going to survive in the U.S. or cause the U.S. to survive the current fascist, you know, depopulation agenda, in my analysis, it's from those Kennedy revival, um, you know th- th- that which RFK Jr. is tapping into, and that which which Trump is kind of tapping into from the the Lincoln spirit of the Republican Party long past. But other than that, I don't see anything viable in the U.S. Let me that. let me ask a question uh,
5: in terms of RFK's vaccine position, and, mm-hmm. and I would I would like to present a very generous interpretation of a conversation that he had with Piers Morgan recently, where the issue came up. And he does the thing that he has done from day one, which is, Hey, 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 whoa, let's just stop. I am not anti-vax. I am, you know, X, Y, Z. There needs to be testing. There needs to be a better regulatory system. There needs to be this apparatus that comes into play. Does that whole spiel tells the joke, you know, I want mercury out of fish, but nobody calls me anti-fish. Uh, at the, which is a fantastic joke and he should keep it everything. Like, that's, that's a great point. It is. I don't want mercury in fish. I want mercury out of fish, I'm not anti-fish. Just want you to stop putting the crap in, you know? Uh, but that's his, his stance and it has very long been. Now here's the thing. We know that you can't put vaccine commercials on TV because by law, you've got to list the side effects. Uh, and even though they do it at a million miles an hour at the end of the commercial for whatever antidepressant weight loss heart medical whatever it is they they still have to do it that's why you're never going to see a COVID shot advertised on the air because they can't come out and say it in the same way if rfk junior is sitting there saying look i just want him to be able to pass the same tests that you would for any other medication Is that a generous interpretation for, I know if they tried, they would never be able to present a product like this on the market because it would never see the light of day? Or is it him really wanting to bring in more bureaucracy, testing, regulation, this, that, and the other? And I'm asking genuinely because I don't don't know.
1: I I think that he he knows that they they don't want, actual testing of vaccines i mean Dell big tree has been pushing the same uh, thing it's like it's not you know to say that you're anti-vax is to say that you cannot create a say vaccine and i, I think our- i don't know
9: about that that's that might be going a little too far for that definition Well,
1: no. What I'm saying is that, like, that's not what they they want to be considered. Like, they're not saying, basically, like my interpretation to RFK Jr. and when he when he says these things, he's saying like I'm not anti-vax. In other words, like I'm not saying that you can't have a, a a vaccine that's not harmful, but. In in regards to the ones that are available, the testing sucks, or their lack of testing. They've suppressed information. They suppress studies. You know, obviously with the CDC whistleblower and and Dr. Brian Hooker and and that whole story. I mean, there's, it, it's just, I I think he's kind of like just he he tiptoes the line a little bit because he's just saying like maybe potentially you could make a safe and somewhat effective vaccine, but the ones we have aren't that. And I think that's what he's trying to say. And I agree with him. I mean, he he jumped into this whole vaccine debate kicking and screaming. He didn't want anything to do with it. He's been injured.
2: He's vaccine injured. That's why his voice is that way. It's because of a vaccine
1: and And there was a a parent that went to his uh Cape Cod home and brought him information and said i don 't you know you like i don 't care what you do with this but I, I want you to read this and like dropped it off on his porch or whatnot and a lot of these people have similar stories like they you know it, it's same thing with the uh, um Uh, Wakefield, right? Dr. Wakefield. He wasn't one that like went into this topic and said, Hey, I want to be the spokesperson for, for these anti-vaxxers. It's like, okay, people were coming up to him and then he saw some correlation. And next thing you know, he became the face of the, the movement. But I think with RFK, like in regards to that, like he's, you might not agree with him on some things, especially with the energy, uh, you know, perspective. He's been very anti big chemical, just like he's been very anti big pharma. And he, he's been a part of a lot of lawsuits. He's been a, a part of a, a lot of that stuff. So maybe his perspective on how to fix some of this is a little bit, you know, too pro government, you know, because I mean, he still wants to run as a Democrat. And I, I love what Kim Iverson did. She pushed back a little bit. Told him like during the interview, like, I have zero faith in the Democratic party. I don't know why you do. And I am a little skeptical of why he's running as a Democrat. Mm-hmm. Obviously his family has represented that party for a long time. Maybe he doesn't, he, he thinks he can create a Democratic party that people can believe in or, or whatnot. Um, but, uh, you know, at the end of the day, he, I I give him a lot of credit for the things that he's done, even though I disagree with him on many things. I I think like you can't take away the fact that he's been bashed, you know, by every media. He's been censored just as much as any of us. And he's went down, you know, he was pushing back on vaccines when now it's a little bit more socially acceptable because of what the COVID vaccine and everything that's happened the last couple of years has exposed. But prior to that, I mean, Miriam and many other people who've been down this rabbit hole, this vaccine rabbit hole for a long time, it was like one of the most taboo topics to even bring up. I mean, people got very emotional. People got very upset. The, I mean, you were labeled immediately a conspiracy theorist. The people thought that there was no reason whatsoever, not even a little bit of reason to doubt the science behind vaccines. And now, like I said, it's more socially acceptable to do so. But he was doing it when... It was very hard to do so. And, and as a public figure who, who obviously has that Kennedy name, I mean, he knows it was, it was kind of political suicide to do so. And he did it anyway. So I give him some credit for that. I mean, who the hell would run that we couldn't poke holes at their, either their ideologies or their past or whatever? I mean, if any of us uh, ran, especially Steve, I'm kidding. Um, there'd be plenty of things to, To poke holes, um. dude. I'm
7: going to go way, way further down the rabbit hole than you, Ricky. I'm sorry. Go ahead. I might join you, Monica. Go ahead. Yeah, yeah. I'm
1: I'm
5: already there, but this is fun as hell.
7: Steve, I got to tell you. So you know why I I think why Brandi Vaughn named her her organization Learn the Risk. She didn't like people who were emphasizing medical freedom because she said it's not about freedom of choice. It's about these things are toxic poison and the freedom of choice. And and I I mean, everyone I know in the medical freedom movement, I, you know, I have no reason to question them at all. Like I, they're, I mean, this is their moms and I've met a lot of them and they're all for it. But that's why she said, learn the risk, because she said that that those are the people who are derailing Moms and um, you know the people from understanding that's totally toxic. And if if he's saying like he wants more testing and stuff, is he emphasizing that they should lift the liability shield? Because that would be the key rallying cry that would make me feel like that was more. Yeah. Uh, you know, that's what people need
2: to be saying. If he's not saying that. Um, I yeah. And who sorry, who put the nineteen eighty six act in? Who who was, I think, Ted Reagan involved. But wasn't Ted Kennedy involved?
7: Oh, probably.
2: But I just one more thing, which is that um
7: what Matt was saying about like Trump hijacked this incoherent body of people with good values. I think what he actually did was hijack a, a very coherent Ron Paul movement and made it like not uh viable. And I would say if RFK is running as Democrat and there is a parallel between him and Trump, what it would be is you take these like cognitive dissonance elements of the new left of like the new fascist vaccine pushing left and you find this old left that yes they believe in the safety net or they you know they believe in collective whatever but they also understand that war is crap the ukraine thing a vax mandate who is going to who is going to keep iran paul from coming up in that you know, reuniting them in a, in a coherent ideology, because I call like the basket of deplorables versus the basket of irrationals. But those are not like Ron Paul and Dennis Kucinich, like those are two different things. And so I'm not saying I really know enough about RFK, but like what Ricky's saying, who would ever do this? Well, look, it is kind of working. So maybe he's just a little bit, you know, or his people or whatever, just a little bit longer term thinkers.
5: So you have to, I mean, if you take him at his word, if you take him at his word, he, RFK Jr., he sees the Democrat Party as the vehicle through which change can affect the most amount of people. That's what he thinks. And and I, we're, it's May 1st, 2023. We're, we're almost six years removed seven years removed from the dnc fraud lawsuit where in court the dnc's own attorneys said if we want to we can pick the candidates in a smoke-filled back room technically there's no such thing as the democrats the primary process is a fundraising mechanism it has nothing to do with us actually selecting the candidate. That's something that we do at the convention. It takes place over a five day period from this day to this day. That's when we pick our candidate. Primary process it, it has, you know, it, it is. It's an ancillary. This all came out in court. So, to, and they already said they're not going to have debates. Uh, if the DNC allows RFK Jr. to run through them, there's a couple of things that need to happen. He has to sign a loyalty pledge to the party. We all know this. It's been discussed ad nauseum for years now. we have I'm, I'm pretty sure most of us have seen it, but it's also the reason Tulsi Gabbard came out and endorsed Joe Biden. The same reason, well, one of the reasons Bernie Sanders did it. The other is that his hip hop name is Sheep Doggy Dog. The, I see very similar things um, with the Trump movement. And the, you know, who, like Monica was saying, you get a lot of really well-intentioned people who, Right into that duopoly where if there's ever an act blue donate link showing up on RFK's website, we all know what that money's for. The, uh, the DNC itself has the whole reason they got sued was because uh, people were donating to Bernie thinking it was going to Bernie through the dnc donate links and the dnc's like no dude we put that in a slush fund to pay off all the people that needed to dig holes for all the people that didn't like hillary clinton like that's where that money goes Uh, candidate no so it'll be really interesting to see the mechanisms by which he tries to push a democratic party run because all of these things are inarguably true all of these things are how the party itself runs the election, which unfortunately has nothing to do with what the candidate stands for, what they want done, or who they are as a person—rightly, wrongly, wonderful human being, absolute wretch.
1: Well, I think he'll probably end up like Tulsi or Bernie or Ron Paul, where they end up running as a, you know, a part of one of the two parties because they know that. That's the best way to succeed, but eventually, if they can't be controlled, then they'll end up like I said, like Bernie and Tulsi and and Ron were, you know, where they don't end up winning or doing anything, or they don't talk about them, they don't get the the help by you know the establishment and the elites like the other ones who can be controlled and will take the money. So I mean, I don't, I that's kind of the way I see it. I you know, you there's Dennis Kucinich. Ron Paul I mean these are all names of people that I think we like much better than than many of the elite they stand for something they believe in something at least and and that's the thing like I think why Kennedy's getting a little bit of a uh, attention is the same reason why Bernie and Trump got a, a lot of attention and support because they seem like they're different than the cookie cutter politician we've been getting. It doesn't mean different is good. It doesn't mean different is better, but it's different. And I think people just like that. People have been so tired of the same old, same old, that, you know, anything that seems slightly different, people are kind of, you know, attracted to.
7: I always think they have one job and I'm not. I So I I love that analysis, Steve. And, you know, I agree with you. Ricky, that these guys, they make certain compromises whatever they run in the party. And we are presented with this, a big machine or an ideological figurehead. But I have long thought they each each one only has one job. So uh, I thought Obama was the surveillance president. I thought um, that Trump was going to be the censorship president. And now I think he was the VAX president because of the warp speed. And if RFK like had one thing to do, I would think to Matt's point that it would be the green energy thing. So why would he, you know, do the cause of the vax, whatever? It's to get the trust of the people who are skeptical. And it's possible that more, way more people are skeptical than we even know. And I mean, I even think they suppress our numbers. I'm telling you, I was in the lumber store today. And somebody walked up to me and said, I recognize your voice. Are you Monica Perez? Wow. Pasadena. Awesome. It was the craziest thing that ever happened to me, like ever. And I was just blown away. And it was also like I, I had a, a, one other similar situation. And I'm just thinking, are more people listening than it looks like? Yeah. Because the yes. the odds of that happening would be astronomical if people aren't Listening more than than it looks like to us. So I think maybe there are more people who are skeptical and just think what happened to Ron Paul when he was running like he won Iowa fucking won Iowa like he won it, (laughs) you know, actually. So I think there are more people that they have to control. And if they can get trust, they have one job, they get one guy to get the trust of the people. And you're like, well, he's got that green thing, but he's a Democrat, you know, whatever. You got to give him a pass on the green thing. It's like, you got to give, you know, I said to my mother about the warp speech. She's like, you got to give him a pass on that because he's so good at everything else. I was like, that's the only thing that mattered. That was his job and he did it. So I, I'm just, you know, playing to my question
2: to is, how are the Democrats, because um, independents and even Republicans, because of the vaccine stance, can stand behind him. So I'm just curious if you all know what. So far, what the reception has been from the actual Democrats,
10: like in the base.
1: He's been polling well, whatever the hell that means. <laughs>
5: so most of most of the Democrats don't like Joe Biden. They all have to pretend that they like Joe Biden. And they all have to rally around whoever the party tells them their their guy is. And then it's their job to invent reasons as to why they actually like this person that they clearly don't like. But they, so it, it's going to be... I mean, right now, I saw Joe Biden was around 60% is what we're talking about here, and uh, RFK Jr., 19%, almost 20%, something like that. At this point, this early out, and the only other person that's even talking about running right now is uh, Oprah's freaking new age dingbat Marianne Williamson, whatever lady.
9: What about Uh, Michael?
5: uh, Oh, and Afro man so there's still hope with it but he's not running as a democrat
1: i Um, I want to talk about the warp speed thing because i this is the danger of putting somebody like trump in office is i don't i don't know if he i i honestly thought he was going to be the anti-vax president the first one because during the debates with uh what was a dr ben cars whoever the doctor was uh, that he was uh debating and um, Ben Carson, right? And yeah. he, I remember once they were trying to make Trump look bad during one of the debates and they brought up the vaccine topic because they thought, okay, a mainstream doctor like Ben Carson, who has a PhD and you know believes in, you know, modern medicine and all this stuff, uh, he'll push back on this. So they brought up the Trump's perspective and opinions on vaccines and and Trump St- stood his ground, and he actually said, "Like, hey, like, no, I believe that kids are getting too many vaccines, and I know people who've been injured by them or whatever." And um, and they thought uh, the doctor Ben Carson was gonna, you know, kind of push back on what Trump said, and instead, he actually said, "He's like, you know what? In regards to that, I, I think he, you know, there is something there that maybe we could be giving." kids too many vaccines at a too young of an age. And I'm like, okay, this is a step in the right direction. Then there was a meeting with Robert Kennedy Jr., Del Big Tree, and I believe Dr. Fauci was there and, and, and Trump got them all together or something like that. And, and they talked about it, about, uh, you know, uh, vaccines specifically. So it's like, it's all steps in the right direction. But the problem with Trump is that nothing is more important to him than popularity. So at, if, you know, if it helped his 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 um you know his, his base yeah his base to i know like that's the word that i got stuck on uh if it's, <laughs> it, it if it helped his base to to you know to to be outspoken on vaccines, then he'll be outspoken. But and then if it helps, you know, his popularity to say, hey, I got this vaccine through because everybody wanted it, then he'll help push that vaccine through. So, you you know, that's the thing about having somebody that actually believes in something is that even if I disagree with them, I know who they are as a person. And I, you know, I know where they stand on on issues. And I think that's why people like Ron Ball. Ron Paul. That's why people liked Ralph Nader. That's why people, because it's like, okay, at least I don't agree with him, but at least I know what I'm getting. Where, like, with a Trump, it's like, it's who you know. Every, the joke is always like his opinion is based on the last person he spoke to. Like, they, that's how much influence he can have and how much he flip flops.
3: Well, Bill Gates into <laughs> that Robert F Kennedy Jr. Yeah, Plus because Trump. He, thing. He, met, he met.
1: He met with Trump and then told him that everything. He said.
3: He said yeah. that's a non-starter. Yep. that's not going to work. And, and that was the end of it. Well,
2: Bill and, Gates and got Bill, involved, right? Bill that's Gates got Gates involved. the Gates Foundation.
3: Yeah. That's, how, that's Rockefeller. That's Gates. That's the octopus. That's, <laughs> they tell Trump, we're not, you're not working with this anti-vax guy. Not now. Not during Let COVID. me ask you guys that's one, one question.
10: Uh, just a quick question. Do you guys think if Trump had gotten um, in for a second term, do you think that he would have followed through on the on his pledge to getting the u s out of the World Health Organization, or is that something that he just threw out there in the moment to you know get people excited or something like that um at the end phase of his first of his first term well
3: it would it's an interesting thought experiment because a Trump that doesn't have to worry about a reelection is a really interesting dude. A guy who could just say there's no there's no repercussions for
10: this. And but do you and, think and that he willingly like keeled over and didn't want to be, get that second term?
3: I mean i i don't i i don't think he loves the World Health Organization. I think i think maybe he would enjoy throwing a monkey wrench in there. But I don't know he he's also so bought and sold. You know?
10: how would you? But I'm saying like do you, do you think that he consciously sabotaged himself so that he knew he wasn't going to have a second term already like that was sort of what he was is that what you were saying or
3: No, no, oh, I wasn't okay. saying that. I was just saying that oh. that if he did get a second term, he'd be an interesting guy. He just mm-hmm. would have there'd just be almost no checks and balances on him
5: anymore I think that if There's he was a serious, serious about
3: oh, that's true
5: yeah. <laughs> I think that if he was serious about challenging his election, he wouldn't have gone the route that he did with the particular defense and defense team that he did or legal team that he did i think that there were there's always a number of valid ways to challenge the election if he has that kind of momentum going into it the manner in which and then the things that they tried to get standing for um uh, and what they were using as their evidence was all just super flimsy you know and we found out going i'm sorry really quickly yeah, we found right. out in, in the next you know couple ensuing years especially where arizona is concerned especially where michigan wisconsin and a couple other places Uh, uh, on a smaller scale where there was serious election fuckery going on that not only did everybody know the whole time, but it was just a slog through the court system in order to get it to come out a little bit more public. Well, Trump could have done the exact same thing to the point to where he had the entire national Republican apparatus behind him to, except for the handful of people that still like Mike Pence or Lindsey Graham. But they also had, all of the momentum of the country behind him, or at least half of it going into it. It would have stood behind him for a ton of legal challenges had he stuck it out. In fact, I was there in D.C. that day. A lot of people were screaming for it. They really wanted him to keep fighting until the absolute legally, for the most part, and definitely via the court system for the most part, but they didn't want any sort of half-ass challenge the way that Powell and Rudy and those guys were presenting it.
7: And in Georgia, they had a good local team that was doing it, and they told them, stand down, we're going to take care of it, wait for us to do it, and they literally missed the deadline to file, and then the local guys couldn't. I want to just add that
2: someone had presented the point that if we were to pull out of the of who then who is really in charge Um, the gates foundation in other words we then have less america has less of a voice as to which direction who goes to and that when we did pull out of the who trump gave a lot of money to gavi which is bill gates and having watched i'm sure you did too i watched every corona um every talk that the president gave. um, And it's always like just hinting, hinting to the people. And the people are like, is he he for the vax? Is he anti-vax? Whereas before I had collected all of his tweets and Barron is arguably vaccine injured. And then if you remember in Miami, they even did the wave to get Fauci out and they were chanting during one of the rallies. And he said, we'll wait. So I just think... It's, it's pretending. This is mafia. When you get this close, you have they dictate what's, what's going on. So that's my very black-pilled, um, you know, he's still to, to this day. I mean, again, I'll make this point. The reawakened tour. Eric Trump is part of it. Most of the people are not toting the vaccine. That's his son. But Trump is still very proud of Operation Warp Speed. So what's really going on? Is it all political
1: theater? But Miriam, don't you think that's like an ego thing? Like he has the biggest ego ever. Like I just think he he wants to celebrate every little piece of success he has with anything and he'll blow it out of proportion and say, oh, it's the greatest thing ever. It was the best thing ever. It was the, you know, whatever. But it's just, uh, to me, like that's, that's also, it's like he's dangerous to his supporters because I feel like, you don't know where he stands like you said and it, it it can change and he's also dangerous to the elite because in a way like they can't control him either like nobody can control him and that's what makes him kind of dangerous to everybody to some sense you know and he did push back. i remember del big tree uh on a high wire episode he uh he talked about how you know like a lot because of and this was soon after like he he was kind of you know bragging about operation warp speed and 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 the release of the vaccine and stuff and they went back and they 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 went back in the archives of like a lot of those press conferences and uh, a lot of the things that trump said about vaccines and he they basically put in perspective Why many people who were anti-vax thought that Trump was also anti-vax, and if you go back and you look at some of the things he said, like you said, there's like hint here, hint there. He says this, he says that. He said, you know, so there is re. It wasn't like we were completely just blind to to see the fact that he was going to brag about Operation Warp Speed. Like he did push back, and even in certain press conferences when everybody was saying, "Why aren't you masking? Why aren't you locking out?" You know, like. He was getting a lot of shit because he he seemed to not be taking it as seriously as everybody wanted him to, and to do it publicly. And you know, and I always think about it too. I'm like, okay, did the COVID lockdowns last longer, and did everything happen worse than it probably could have because they hated Trump so bad that they wanted to just completely ruin the economy and and just ruin everybody's life and and blame it on him, Uh or if somebody else, you know, uh, another establishment person who was in power, they'd be taking Big Pharma's money and things would equally be as bad. So I mean maybe there was no way out of it, you know, when you really think about it. But yeah, it's it's interesting because it, it's again, this is one of the reasons why, like many people, like it it's hard to know where he stands on things. And it, it's
9: yeah.
1: you get frustrated because it's like, Okay, is he just telling me what I want to hear? Or or what the hell does he believe? You know, is I mean,
2: he go I, ahead oh. Oh my sorry, I want to answer that that I would love for you to be right, and that there's only he, he could say so much. I just have come to the to the stance after taking a deep dive and reading about Tavistock that these are the Intel script writers, and that both sides are scripted out and if you see a beautiful series on HBO and how intricate and how magnificent and how detailed it is, well, it's all scripted and that's that's what I, I ultimately um, believe, um, that in my experience of getting really close and looking behind the Wizard of Oz or looking behind the veil, it's like I was on a Twitter space with Mario and I started speaking about Tavistock and let's mute Miriam. <laughs> oh, you're a great speaker. And people are like, wow, who is that? Um, and then it's just, there's a ceiling. There's a ceiling and so when I scanned energetically Trump and I was like six feet away from him on January 6th, I'm like, okay, he's not like, he's not a bad guy. Like he's not an but he's a reality actor and he can play the role because he's playing himself. And so are we constantly going to say he's just surrounded by the swamp and he, does he not have proper discernment or is this, I mean, I know, celebrities who've gotten calls if you keep on talking about the vaccine i think you have a daughter right like straight up death threat so who knows that's all i'm saying i wish that it didn't have this black pill um perspective i
7: totally agree with you I
1: can so, you to clarify totally Mario's not luigi's brother right which
2: <laughs> mario is one of the main twitter space guys it's a big time suck i recommend staying away from the Twitter spaces.
8: As much as I lo- I, I want to believe in the system and the rhetoric that they say, you know, I voted for Tulsi Gabbard before I knew about her little connections with the CFR. I can't help but think that this is all political theater that is organized at very high levels and a very sophisticated psyop. I don't want to believe it. I want to believe that it's honest. I want to believe that it's true that JFK really does have our heart and the best things, but I've seen RFK or JFK? Oh uh JF- no, sorry. Uh, RFK Jr. Who's running? Well
2: I would say take a little look at Steve Kirsch and let's see where he comes from and what he's funding. Sorry, super I'm I'm super blackpilled.
8: I've wondered about him. I I've started to learn a little bit about him lately, but I do like his rhetoric. Um You know, I've done a lot of history and I've been studying the New World Order since the 80s. As you could tell, I'm kind of old. And it's been theoretical so many years. I've read books. I've listened to all of you for many years. I've got so much information from you and other sources. And now what I used to think was theoretical, I'm now seeing it manifest itself in reality. And who can you trust in a world of crooks? Donald Trump. Is the con man of con men? He might say everything that you want to hear, but behind the scenes, he ain't the person that he presents to be. He's like so many, I just hope that RFK Jr. is legitimate because there's a lot of good things to say, and I think that he can at least open up conversations. But there's still that part of me that says it's all a con, people. It's all a con.
5: Quick, quick question um raise your hand if you have or sorry, quick just temperature check, raise your hand if you have a neighborhood in the Golan Heights named after you because how much of a friend to Israel you were mm, 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 mm. you have two neighborhoods two na- Ricky's got two neighborhoods in the Golan Heights I do. Uh, <laughs> wow. What is that?
8: Good well, on. let's go back to DeSantis. Let me, let me interject and I'll just shut up because, you know, I like to talk too much. DeSantis, and I know you all have heard about this new, I don't know the details about this new law that it could be a potential felony if you criticize Israel, blah, 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 blah. But what really kicked me in the ass, excuse me for the vernacular, is the son of a bitch went to Israel to sign a bill for Florida. If that yeah. shit doesn't speak droves about who's really signing his fucking paycheck, excuse me, sorry, I again, who's signing his paycheck and what team he's really on, I think that sends droves. Just like what I was saying, it's all a con, it's all political theater. It's just like Jesse Ventura said, just like WWF, they get out in the public and they fight and they just tear each other up. Mm-hmm. Then they go backstage and they're the best of friends and they go to the same little parties as we've heard of so much. So with that, I'll just shut my mouth and I'd really like to hear some input from the panel here.
2: I don't mean to be a Debbie downer. I I would really and and you know, I I I did side with Trump because in the end he he represented the constitution and we the people and uh yeah, I I wish I was wrong. I just see this big cognitive dissonance and I've I've heard a lot of supporters, prominent influencers, <clears throat> not mainstream, but influencers in the conservative, like, oh, I'm not going to forgive him, and uh, but yet they're they're still siding with him. And I guess it depends on how how passionate you are about the vaccine. And in my opinion, I don't need any fucking vaccine. I have something called an immune system and I'm never going to take one. So, you know, a safe, what is a safe and effective? I just, I was telling someone these are gene therapy and he's like, gene therapy? I'm like, oh, you didn't get the memo yet? They actually changed the definition of vaccine to reverse engineer this gene therapy. But some people still don't even know that they got injected with gene therapy if they took the mRNA. So, I mean, I don't know. What do you guys think? You think there could be a safe vaccine? I'm sure I would have lived and been even smarter if I didn't take any vaccines in my life.
1: Well, I think you made a really good point. Like even if there is a safe vaccine, I, I just don't think there's it's really necessary. Like I I like you said, we should be focused on Increasing the strength of your immune system, eating healthier. A lot of, you know, the thing about the average person is they're always looking for, you know, the path of least resistance. It's like, oh, how do I lose weight? Is there a fat loss pill I can take? It's like, how about you do the same thing people have been doing since the beginning of time? And that's just eating less or eating better and moving more. Like those are things that work. And, you know, everybody wants that. E- easy and quick pill. So it's same thing with like a vaccine. I almost feel like it's the same type of psychology where it's like, okay, you know, how about you don't get the, uh, you, you don't get vaccinated or you don't vaccinate your kids and you just make sure they eat organic, they eat healthy things. They can pick things. They can kill things. They can grow. You give them vitamins, you get them outside, make sure they exercise, make sure they get vitamin D from the sun. And they're like, wait, wait, that's a lot of work. How about I just get my kids vaccinated? You know, it's like, you know, that's kind of like, you know, the problem. And But you're right. Like, why aren't we asking the question? Like, are they even necessary? You know, and I think many of us don't think they are. I mean, my kids are healthy athletes. They do great in school. They do, um, you know, they're they're constantly playing sports. I mean, nonstop. My son plays on multiple teams. Uh, I just came from soccer practice now. I mean, he's off the walls, never uh, allergic to anything, no uh, health issues, nothing. And it's like, most people think like, if you don't get your kids vaccinated, they're immediately in danger, you know, from birth. You know, and um, you know, so people need to learn the fact that, like, yeah, maybe there are alternative ways, and that we've survived this long without them. And uh, and if you look at all the numbers, right? I mean, that's why the vaccine issue is so important because it's like so many of our health issues, you know, the autoimmune issues, it's so autism, which is just increasing at a like drastic speed. Uh, you know, it's like I've seen numbers from like the next. Fifty years, it could be one in four kids, or one in three kids, or you know, just insane numbers. And and yet, this could be all vaccine related. Many people think it it is. And when you look at the increase of vaccines in our vaccine schedule, the COVID vaccine, which is now recommended in a, uh, the children's schedule, uh, and you see six
2: months. Yeah, and there has and to, to
1: be some correlation. There has to be investigated. So it 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 is a a topic that I'm very passionate about. Uh, you know, that's why when you get somebody like Robert Kennedy Jr. who's been in this battle with us for so long and has been, you know, probably one of the most public figures to to be outspoken about it. Um, I uh, you know, I give him a, a lot of credit because I mean, it was like him and Jennifer McCarthy, <laughs> you know, and it's like nobody took her seriously and you know so i i think that people need to give him a little bit of, of credit for that um but again it this this faith in the government system is scary because we know where that leads and we know where it could lead and this idea of like you know environmentally friendly regulations and all this stuff that he he he's a fan of um you hope that he understands the power of big pharma and big chemical and that will prevent him from doing anything too crazy or too drastic that would give them uh you know just crazy control over the the average person but um yeah without a doubt take your health into your own hands and and that's the the what people should be thinking about and um isn't it
2: fundamentally Ricky is it, it's fundamentally two different schools of thinking in regards to health. One of them is Rockefeller and the other one is the true version of, of health. So anything within those parameters, I'm not going to knock him. um, RFK Jr. I've, I've profiled him. I've, I asked him, I mean, two years ago, what happened to the democratic party? And if he's going to bring whatever he's going to bring um, to, I don't know. Again, I don't I don't know. I would like to know what the version of um safe and effective vaccine is when everything is going mRNA in any yeah.
3: case. I, I'd like to see him be I'd like to see him go the exact opposite direction that he's going. I'd like for him to come out and say I'm anti-vaccine. Period. I think they're dangerous. And just I own mean, it and just be 100% I, in because his trying to like work with the left is not I, I don't think it's a winning strategy. I don't think you can make those people happy. I think you're always going to be an anti-vaxxer to them. So just fucking own it. Just be that and just say, I'm, cr- I'm critical of the science. And, and you know, I mean, he's not going to be allowed to win anyway.
10: Right. <laughs> the second he says that he's an independent, I, I think that, that that would be the moment that he decides to go independent and, and take it uh, and be consistent with himself at that point. It, um it, I, I, it, but he's not going to say that i think th- the, the fact that he's committed to running in, within the democratic structure i think he's not you're not going to hear those words
3: right uh, he, yeah he can't now i mean if he's if he's in that that i'd love to see it it'd be authentic it'd be it would be it'd be like finally at least somebody he, believes in something
5: well, I mean, here's what I want to see so bad is I want to see the I fucking dare you party formed with Trump and RFK Jr. Yeah. And it's a totally independent venture. And the whole time, just walking out on stage going, I, f- I fucking dare you to do it. I dare you because we're going to talk some shit today. All right. Everybody comfy. We're going to talk some shit. It's never going to happen. But that would be absolutely hysterical. And it would be awesome. But I think that, that as far as the, I don't know, as far as it goes with RFK Jr., it, I feel like I he did a, a tremendous amount of good with, um, later, Eric. Um, A tremendous amount of good with children's health defense continues to do a tremendous amount of good with children's health defense has likely saved uh, a ton of lives through the information that's been put out there and introduced a whole giant swath of people to the criminality that uh, that is the CDC to the, the criminal mob run organization that is the the FDA the people know more about Anthony Fauci now than they ever wanted to and the the true stuff that RFK Jr has written about and made available to people in ways that they haven't had access to it before necessarily tremendous work and, and I will give him credit for that all day long and twice on Sunday I don't I don't know how that relates to a presidential run in the Democratic Party in an apparatus that has proved itself time and, time and time and time and time and time again, that it doesn't respect what people like RFK Jr. has done, that it has no respect for me as a private citizen or what I would want to do with my vote, that it has no respect for the money of the people that support any individual candidate gives to the organization. So I I respect his body of work and the contributions that he's made in those fields and the information that he's been able to put out. And again, I, I'm dead-ass serious about this. I would guarantee you that that CHD and through RFK Jr. and his work have saved lives. I, I guarantee you that, that. But I don't see where the correlation to the, the presidential run is. Well, in terms I, of like-
1: but how, how, Do you guys remember if Ron Paul got the same amount of like i feel like ron paul ran everybody kind of knew like he's not really a republican but he's running as one and everybody kind of gave him a pass you know even though he was using that label um i feel like with robert kennedy jr like everybody's more upset about him using that label than maybe ron paul when he was doing the basically the exact same thing Well, I think if you're going to
8: get on a national stage, there's no room for independence. We're in a duopoly system, you know, two wings on the same bird. And the only ones that are going to get out on the national stage are the ones that are selected. So and Ross Perot was the last time that there was ever an independent put into the presidential debates. And he shook the stuff so much. They took it away from the League of Women Voters, Democrats and Republicans, opposing forces created a nonprofit for what the debate from that time on. The only time you see only people you see on the national stage, either have an R and a D behind their name. One advantage, that at least, well, uh, I was hoping, but I just heard that the democratic party is not going to have debates. Debates. Yes, no debates. Right. No yeah, no debates. No debates. No debates. I've already it, 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 sleepy, creepy, peep,
9: poopy
3: pants, Uncle Joe. It's a fucking so, clown show. Okay. Yeah. Like, they're just making the it up they're, right. they're just rampant criminals now it's just like well we'll yeah. just change the rule because our guy is brain dead and
8: we'll just throw <laughs> it in your face it's like the mafia. <laughs> what's gonna do
1: what, confer- what? They're, they officially announced they're not gonna have any debates
3: yes, yes. i mean perfect hmm. great Th- that it just it, a- it's so fitting you know want- what's Right. It's just in. Inco- it's just been. It's been years of the last couple of years of just massive incompetence on every level, and Dude. you just look at it and you go, "It, it, it can't be accidental." Like well, every
1: so important, especially for somebody like Robert Kennedy Jr. That the media is going to paint whatever picture they want of him, and he can't defend himself. That's mm-hmm. that's where the debates. He could at least say, "Hey, you're calling me a this, or you're calling me a that," but this is what I actually stand for and when somebody its they did the same thing with Ron Paul right like oh he's too extreme and then when you actually hear him talk you're like everything sounds logical like it makes sense you know but yet people who didn't know shit about him because I was a big Ron Paul supporter and fan people would be like no he's too crazy his views are too extreme like which ones and they couldn't pinpoint like they were just regurgitating what the media was saying so I wonder if this is a step in the direction of censoring Robert Kennedy Jr. maybe
3: Here's a soft censorship plan.
1: Mm-hmm.
3: The head of Pfizer calls the head of MSNBC and says, if you let that guy on your uh, platform, we're going to pull our advertising. And it's over for him.
7: Mm-hmm.
8: What side do you think he's going to pick on the side of justice?
3: 60% side? of their ad revenue comes from the pharmaceutical industry. You just get all the, all the vaccine makers together and they say, if you let Robert Kennedy Jr. on there in any serious way,
1: we're out. I'm just so skeptical because it's like you know that he's been censored before. He knows the power of big tech censorship and how everybody yeah. colludes together and he knows that potentially everybody could collude against him. So I'm really curious like what's his backup plan? Like he must have a plan B, C, D like if this ha- or is he just going to say, "Hey, I got enough" willpower to debate and and put myself out there i mean this past year he was on james corbett i mean think about it a guy who's running for president like i, I never thought that they would come where it, like you'd be on james corbett promoting a book about you know the real anthony fauci and and the whole history of that like to me it, it's pretty crazy to think about that and but again like we've been here before with like the videos of trump Questioning nine eleven and, you know, thinking, you know, all these things were like, Oh, we got one of us or somebody similar to us or as close to us as possible, you know, in office. And then they don't do any of the things that we would do, you know, so it's, um, it's interesting. I, I you know, one thing that I keep hearing with a lot of people talking about Kennedy, it's just like, it's a lot of question marks, like it's a lot of unknowns, like there's a lot of speculation. Nobody's quite sure how this is going to play out. Nobody's quite sure you know, if they should be rooting for him or not, you know, there's a lot of that. So it's just, I, I think we're all going to like, just kind of wait and see what happens. And, um, you know, and, and, and I guess we'll just see how it plays out. But, but you're right. I mean, obviously those in power also know that, you know, that they have to censor certain people and they're going to have to think long-term and control people and, and whatnot and so we'll, we'll see, you know, we'll see how they handle Robert Kennedy Jr. I'm DeSanchez. Yeah. Same thing. It's like, there's, there's things I like about him. You know, during COVID lockdown, I was, you know, going down to Florida all the time. People were super passionate about De Sanchez because when everybody else's life is being ruined and you're living normal and, and he's giving you some of those freedoms, how, how do you not uh, get excited about, you know, I was going to school board meetings, fighting for my kids not to wear masks. And then I go down to Florida and, they're saying anybody who masks kids is going to be, you know, your funding is going to be taken away. So it's like, holy crap. Like, yeah, I love this guy. You know, it's, but again, and then like emotions get tamed again and you, you start thinking logically and then you start looking at other things like his stance on, on, um, you know, many other things and, and you start getting skeptical again. So there is no, no, I guess no right, you know, or no great alternative or person for the job. Um, maybe anarchy, right, Steve? Maybe some no rules.
5: I mean, the state exists as a you know violent, illegitimate entity that extracts its wealth uh, through theft uh, and coercion at the barrel of a gun. But other than that, no, it's it's fine. It's it. <laughs> I th- I, th- I think that I th- look any step towards any step towards more personal liberty, more personal freedom, more personal autonomy. I'm for that. And if if all that anybody gets out of an RFK, if we're going to be really cynical, a vanity candidacy. Okay, let's at the 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 most cynical you could possibly get. That's what a presidential candidacy could be for somebody who knows they're already being boxed out of the system. Not that I'm saying it is. Please don't come at me. You know, but but at its most cynical, if all we get out of it is people start to think for themselves a little bit more, if it encourages critical thinking, and in pretty much any way, shape, or form, I'm I'm for that. I really you- am
2: abc already censored rfk juniors interview and refused to air the comments
5: and that crazy lady came out and was like we don't want you to know what this (laughs) person it's not good for you we like you're a freaking interviewer lady it's not your job for you to tell me how i'm supposed to make up my mind about stuff that it's too dangerous for me to hear
8: well, remember Mika Brzezinski, and we all knew who her father <laughs> was, said, it's our job to tell people what to
2: Right. Make. Yeah.
8: And, I, you know, every once in a while, these scumbags release a little bit of truth. They're not completely filtered, and that was just one of them. And to me, I'm like, yeah, that's exactly right. You are here as a mockingbird spokesman to tell the sheeple, what they want to hear so you can guide them along just like a good little Pied Piper and the majority of people and I've got tons of friends that are normies buy into it hook, line, and thinker whether it's from identity politics whether it's from the left whether it's from the right they feed them the bullshit they want to eat they eat it they like it and they follow along mindlessly and never critically analyze is that food you're being given that information truly helpful? Right. Like right. they're telling you, or is it a bunch of cotton candy? Right.
3: They, they certainly have a system in place. It works very well yeah. to keep the animals penned in. Um let's uh let's do some promotion, shall we? I want to mention some people as we wrap up here uh, that dropped off earlier. Matt Raymer from Content Safe. Go check out his uh, company if you're a content creator looking to back up your files or upload your content to multiple platforms. Contentsafe.co, I think, is the domain. Um, uh, Graham Dunlop from Grimerica was here. Grimerica.ca, uh, AdultBrain.ca for your uh, ebooks or your uh, audiobooks. Those guys have a nice little operation in there. If you want like an old-timey book that's like 150 years old in audiobook format, go to adultbrain.ca. And uh, Darren and Graham have like recorded a bunch of them. It's really interesting. It's a really cool idea. Um, we had Matt Eret on... I had Matt Eret on macroaggressions a couple of weeks ago. Check out that interview because he's... That dude is hardcore. He knows all kinds of stuff and and he writes for Unlimited Hangout and also for The Last American Vagabond, two places that are I highly recommend in terms of uh places to get information. I don't know, like 9 months ahead of the mainstream, you know. It's like time travel. Um anyone else drop off uh Monica Perez? Monica deep dives. I just had Monica I just recorded with Monica for macroaggressions that's going to come out in a couple of weeks and that was awesome too. We went into the the Milner Fabian conspiracy that we talked about on last week's episode. I was so blown away. I said we've got to we've got to talk about it uh and and so we did. And and we we I haven't put it out yet, but I recorded it with her and it's fantastic. So,
2: nice.
3: so check out Monica Perez.
5: Um uh, uh, Scott Armstrong. Oh, Scott Scott Armstrong
3: yeah. from Rebunked. Yes, let's, let's mention him. And they're sure. doing their
2: festival coming up. I, they have their festival in Tennessee. I don't know the, the date. Do you?
5: Yeah, um, it's uh, uh, the 3rd and 4th of June in Nashville. Uh, and if you go to rebelswithacause.com, it's the the website you can get all the information there. Um, there's promo codes for just about everybody speaking, and if you wanted to use mine, it's AM Wake Up.
2: Nice, Miriam. I know you're
3: locked out, locked out, and locked I'm up locked abroad. Out.
2: Yes, I'm. Um, I wasn't going to go speak at the Reawaken Tour because back in the day I used to get a speaking fee. Now I'm not even getting my expenses covered. So I am raising funds to get me back to America. I'll be slated to speak May 12th at 1030 regarding transhumanism, Charles Lieber, 5G and how it's all connected, unintended. So you can go to mariamhenain.com and that's M-A-R-Y-A-M-H-E-N-E-I-N.com. I just put an article out regarding Charles Lieber, and while no one was paying attention, the nanotech king went from uh, China, China spy to two days served. And we can ha- thank him for all the um, growing nanoscale in, in the body. I've just also put out a detox guide. I'm a licensed functional medicine coach and consultant. So the protocols to detox from the COVID facts, and you can find that on my website, so I'm starting to just work one on one pe- on with people to help them heal. Yeah. As always, thank you for having me.
1: And awesome. support her work. She you're also on Rockfin. So guys, if you want to support yes. her, go on Rockfin. Yeah. You can you're watching on Rockfin, go to her channel. You can tip her yes. there so you can support her work, help her get to America, and thank then you. make a movie called Coming to America.
2: I, I want to also say I just interviewed Dr. Andrew Kaufman. I just so did interviewed- I. You did. It was yeah. it was great interview and uh, just to interview Dr. Lee Merritt. So I have a show on Fridays called Truth Lives Here, noon Eastern, and I'm on Rockfin. Thank you for reminding me to say that, Ricky. Oh,
1: you you, you do awesome interviews, and uh, I actually I remember you even helped me get uh, Dr. Robert Epstein on my show. Yeah, you first. Yeah great i mean that guy is just a wealth of knowledge and probably one of the best rogan podcasts that people didn't really talk about but it just his information in regards to just knowing exactly how big tech is manipulating and controlling people and the social engineering is really starting there is just insane so uh awesome work please check her out thank
2: you yeah it's hard to ask for money at 50 years old with my iq and talents and degrees it's just appalling. Yeah, so yeah, we'll
1: thank
3: you. We'll go watch her um, interview with Dr. Andrew Kaufman.
1: Yeah, she's yeah. yeah. qualified for the show, but she continues to come back. So thank you.
3: <laughs> thank you. Uh, Nature boy, how's how's Chuck? You're muted. I am muted. That was a rookie. We can't hear that beautiful baritone voice.
8: He's Remind doing you. well and. Thank, thank you everybody for all your well wishes. Um, yeah,
3: we're sending our thoughts uh, Chuck's way. He's a he's a frequent frequent uh, contributor to this show. We've all I think maybe from time to time been on his show and we're um aware of his medical situation and we are pulling for
8: him. So. Yeah, all the all more wishes the better, but he's doing okay. He just had a little issue that he's had before and he's good to go. So thank you all out there. Uh, We have the Ocelli Effect. Uh, It's at Ocelli.com. We have Chris Graves digging Chris Graves, and everybody on here loves Chris. I mean, the guys
11: loves
3: Chris.
8: uh, Oh, Charlie, by the way, you gotta see that Dave McGowan um, midnight that carry because if you think that the bombing was a bunch of bullshit, this proves it. And the key thing about that whole thing, the question he asks, and everybody asks is where's the blood where's the blood interesting so anybody out there if you want to find it you know it's a great thing um we have the wild Card wednesdays which is the interview program that i book and i produce and um we have mr ricky by the way ricky hi i haven't talked to you enough lately every time i get on here we get all caught up on it so we have ricky coming on here on the 8th we have charlie coming out on the 10th We had marion we've had um everybody on well Mr Mr. Mike, I still want to get you on the show. Yeah, I haven't
0: here. been there yet.
8: No, man. I still want to get you up there. So that's what's going on at the Ocelli Effect. Thank you all for letting me come on here. I really feel honored. And I have to admit, from all the speaking I've done, I still get a little bit nervous coming on the show. So that's a good thing. Oh well we,
3: we appreciate having you oh, and we'll- on here and and you and and we love the Ocelli effect. It's a, it's a great show. You can you know you're always gonna get your balls busted a little bit which is good so we're we're get well chuck uh steve what's cooking in the mornings uh
5: all good things we did just have a a, a, i well i did pastas in cuba uh until thursday but uh i had about three hours with chris graves this morning it was fantastic show oh it was oh it was lovely um but uh, Monday through Friday, 7 a.m. to 10 a.m. Rockfin Rumble uh, audio uploads on whatever um, whatever anchor is now uh, and should be all podcast catcher apps at this point. Um, we we do media deconstruction. We do incredible interviews. We do uh, lots and lots of jokes and, and uh, hopefully. Hopefully help give people a more complete picture of how the world works. Check that out. I also do a show called Slow News Day. That's on Rockfin. And then on that same channel on Tuesdays, I do a show with my friend Sugar and my neighbor Teal called Blunt Force Wisdom. It's a total check out from all of this. We get high as a Christmas moon and talk about all kinds of weird life, situational, cultural, just nonsense. And it's fantastic. And you should come through for it.
3: God, Have a job where you get high, and do your job. And as
5: yeah, as always, you guys, thank you. I am eternally humbled to be a part uh, of the greatest ensemble podcast in the universe. We
3: oh, well, we appreciate you uh, joining us as much as you do. We're always um, and and having us on AM Wake Up, which is fun. That's a fun way to start. And and I, I'm Everybody's I'm serious. So People that that like get up in the morning and get ready and have the TV on in the background. Get rid of that bullshit. Just turn on Rockfin and do the AM wake up. Just try it for a week. I swear, I think you'll you'll understand. It's a, it's a really great show. It's fun. It's a, you guys are out of your fucking minds. Um, but in the best way possible, of course. You know that's what I mean.
1: I know a yeah. lot of people use the Rumble app also. It's on Rumble too. You can stream it. The, the nice thing about the Rockfin and the Rumble app, and I, I keep reminding people, is that you can turn off or, or close the the app and the audio will just play in the background. So if you open the app, the videos there if you want to watch it if you want to close it you can go do other things on your phone while it's playing uh i think youtube does that but it's the premium subscription so you have to pay for it rumble and rockfin do it for free so it, it's great because i know a lot of people who would listen to podcasts on youtube i'm like but doesn't that suck because you know you have to close it if you're doing something else or if you're making you know text messaging or whatever um you don't have to do that with rockfin or rumble so definitely and support his work you know he Steve, I give you so much credit because no offense, pasta. I love pasta, but he's not there the whole time. <laughs> you know, it's like oh, some old lady is. Uh, it needs the door open. I'll be right back, guys. And then he leaves, and Steve's on his own. Then it's like oh, guys, uh, I think I heard the toilet. Why is my toilet going crazy? I don't. know. I'll be right back, guys. You know, it's like and it's like Steve's always there. He has to just like hold the fort down the whole time from beginning to end. And uh, if a guest bails, he's there, you know, and you just do amazing work. And anybody who does shows to fill three hours every single day and not eventually sound like Alex Jones is amazing. You know, so I, it's, uh,
3: I had the opportunity to join the guys in studio, too. That was wow. that was a
5: special treat.
2: That's nice.
5: That was, that was fun. That was when we got to do that again. When we do Union of the Unwanted Live from Vegas. I know we, we can we can have a whole thing. And and it'll it. be it'll be lovely. It'll be lovely. I'm,
1: I'm er, pushing our er, wave out. Yeah. Well, we have er. to. Do that. I, I, you know what, listeners? I mean, we get thousands and thousands of downloads. Yeah. Give us some feedback. Would you guys go? Would you guys support a a live union of Don Quixote? We would get. You know, just do a live show. I don't know. We'd brainstorm what to do, but we'd obviously do a live show. You get to meet all these amazing people that are constantly on the show. It, it would be awesome, not just for the fans, but be the contributors because I think many of us would love to all meet and uh, you know throw our keys in the basket. I'm kidding. Uh, <laughs> 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 but uh, the that's whole pineapple flag
5: on the Vegas. door, my friend. No, we'll uh,
8: happens in Vegas. Stays in Vegas. People.
5: Yeah.
2: yeah, I'll drink if I if if this happens, I'll drink just just on that day
3: oh I'm no trying. this is gonna be crap i already saw i already saw you at an arcapulco dancing <gasps> remember the, op- yeah. the opening night dance yes
2: i sure do I, I had cr- i had people come and say thank you for your performance and i'm like my performance and they're like were you an ecstasy ecstasy no just they, dancing. they thought you were
3: part of the show it was great right. they had this great uh uh like Anarchalypso was the theme. And it was like, (laughs) kind of like apocalypso. And these guys were like painted up like that. And they had a a big uh, Cirque du Soleil style show. And they asked everybody that came to dress like as crazy as you could. And Miriam showed up. And Miriam had this crazy dress that had had like mirrors all over it. And the whole thing like reflected like a mirror ball. And it was (laughs) rad. And everyone was like, damn look at that outfit I was like I know her yeah and I
2: was like why isn't anyone else dressed I'm the dressiest one there
3: it was great oh. you had like a whole headdress in her yes. it was, was, was working Miriam's a bad motherfucker <laughs> in case she didn't notice uh Ricky what's going on over at the ripple effect
1: uh, no idea. Cause I don't check my schedule that often. Usually, I usually, um, I'm, I'm pretty bad with like knowing, I know I am on two amazing shows. I'm going to be a guest very soon on Charlie's morning set sa- Saturday morning cartoon show. Yep. Uh,
3: getting, yep. <laughs> it's a radio show. <laughs> and so Steve
1: and Steve. Yeah. Yeah. And, uh, and then I'll also be with uh, the nature boy, um, doing a, uh, uh, a uh, effect. I, I had a brain fart for a second, but Doricelli effect, and uh, so that'll be coming up in the next couple of weeks. And Then I have some great guests coming up, as always. I actually have a, a great episode that uh with Miriam that we we need to finish. We need to do a part two because uh she lost power, <laughs> so we, we got that episode. Uh, I and- want to
2: bring Sean because his film just came out, his third installment. Sorry, I didn't mean to interrupt you on oh. Flat Earth, and it's gotten a lot of uh, it's controversial, but it's great.
1: Okay. Is there, a, is there a different perspective he took on the topic than past?
2: He went a little deeper. He talks a lot about the NASA, the, the Challenger um, PSYOP. And uh, yeah, it's called uh, Level With Me.
1: And that's available on and I believe it's on his channel, right? Yeah. So if you're a that's
2: premium really subscriber like- if
1: you're watching this, you can, I believe you have access to it. And that's Sean Hibbler? Yep. Yes. Yes. The Hibbler. What did Alex Jones keep oh. calling him when they- <laughs> Heil, 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 Heil,
2: Heil, he was? Kyle. Kyle.
3: Hibbler. Kyle Hibbler. Perfect. He Great. Yeah. That's, good. <laughs> that's wonderful. Sean He's-
2: was not a fan of that. Uh, oh, no, probably, no, no,
3: yeah,
1: probably not. But
3: <laughs> probably probably not. Um, let's make sure we we'll mention Sam. Of course, he wasn't able to join us, but uh, Tinfoil Hat Cash Daddies uh, zero. 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 Yeah. Yeah. Uh, Conspiracy Social Club.
5: Broken Sim.
3: Broken Bro- Sim. Broken Sim yeah. Yeah. with Johnny Woodard.
5: Yeah. 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 Partridge uh, in a pear tree with Sam tripley Yeah,
3: that too. I think samtripley.com is the place to go to get all of the info for his tours. He's always on the road. Support him when you can. Um, yeah, he's there and-
1: with the touring and, I mean, just podcasting and traveling, it's yeah no no joke he, i know
3: it's energizing for him to to have like a good crowd that's out there just getting getting crazy
1: and we i know really there's a lot of people who, who who know him from the podcast world and maybe aren't familiar with his stand-up he's fucking hilarious like oh, his yeah. stand-up is worth going trust me it's worth going to see and obviously he doesn't care if he offends people and he he'll you know he's honest and has you know he talks about all types of things that are hilarious and actually some of his jokes that are not conspiracy related like he's good at just put like he's a he's an artist he's great at telling jokes and and his stand-up is is amazing and i'm glad that he's still doing it because i know for a little bit he kind of thought about maybe not putting so much effort in 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 that aspect of it but um but it's 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 great so please and his stay
3: watch his viper room um
1: uh, specials are special. on- yeah they're online you can find them on i yeah well, I know they're on Rockfin, but they, I'm assuming they're also on YouTube and all over the place. I'm sure you can find it. Uh, but definitely check out his uh, stand up. I mean, he's, he's, uh, known as a podcaster in, in our, you know, community, but, uh, you know, in the comedic community, he's a very respected uh, comedian. And Even on the Joe Rogan podcast, how many times have you heard people say Sam Tripoli is so underrated? Like this dude is hilarious and he gets a lot of credit from his peers, which, you know, I think a lot of people really appreciate. Uh,
3: OBDM Midnight Mike, what's cooking? Oh, yes. Arby's, interdimensional uh, Arby's news. It's it's
0: it's tough to describe the OBDM podcast uh, when people ask, and uh it's like I accidentally built a Fight Club since like 2006. It's like a digital mm-hmm. version of that, I guess. Uh, it's a it's a weird show. It's a fun show. We cover headlines, news, conspiracies, paranormal stuff. It is Monster May, so I'll be covering a lot more. Uh, monsters in cryptozoology in the month of May. And you can check us out at obdmpod.com. We go live Wednesdays at 7 p.m. Eastern Standard Time. Uh, links are on the website. And then again, we go live on noon on Saturdays, right after Charlie Robinson and uh, yes. his TNT network. So we're not, or not on the same network. Just If you want to listen to Charlie, I think you can catch him. And then if you still haven't had enough malarkey, come check us out. So
3: Yeah, I and I do. And as soon as I get done with the, I'm a, I have a morning radio show now on Saturday mornings over on TNT radio live from 10 a.m. to noon Saturday morning to Eastern time. Yeah. I'm usually so down here my,
0: like listening while I prepare the show. So
3: <laughs> I, I, as soon as I get done with my show, I get a, I'm set up to get an email notification. I get one that says from Twitch saying that OBDM podcast is going live and I just, Jump I can't. I can't there. believe
0: they haven't kicked us off on Twitch yet. But
3: it it, yeah. I, it, it it's coming. Joe, it's coming. There's Joe, only I, so much malarkey you can discuss.
0: I I, I am I'm even tempered, but Joe, that guy, he's Joe, gonna, he's gonna get me
3: dead one day. I love Joe. <laughs> I, oh. I love his anger. Oh, yeah. I I identify with it so much. I tell him every every chance I I get. I tell him. Uh, your anger is just fucking beautiful, man. Um, so yes, uh, you can check out Macro Aggressions. It goes out twice a week, once as a monologue, once as a uh, interview. Um, I have Ryder Lee on this week. We're talking about remote viewing, secret spies. I love that shit. Wow. Stanford Research Institute. Um, all the all the guys: Ingo Swan, Unit Pat Price. I'm into all of that. And Ryder and I had a fantastic. Conversation. He's done some really great work digging into how that whole network was set up. So that's interesting. If you're, uh, if you want to follow me on Twitter at Macroaggression and the website, theoctopusofglobalcontrol.com. Thanks, everybody. Share Thank the too. show. Share, Share the it show. with your friends like a
1: Like banshee. Crabs.
2: Like a banshee.
1: Perhaps. That's not a good one. <laughs> and Mike, come over to Rockfin. Join the cult.
0: I just, yeah. it's 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 one of those things where I've just been lazy, and uh, I probably should. It's something i, I got to discuss with management. We'll, we'll get back to Rockfin uh, rock here in the next six months, I guess.
1: <laughs> you live stream up to this show. Why not live stream your own show?
0: I do live stream it, just not the rock fan. Oh, I mean,
1: yeah. Yeah. Okay. the best place to,
0: to watch it. Yeah, I know. I should. I'm just lazy. It's, that's all it comes down to. It's laziness and prioritizing and... We'll Thank you, about-
2: gentlemen.
0: Thank you, everyone. Bye. Thank you, Marian.
3: Bye. Bye.